You're listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. I'm I'm upset because uh, we just got news that a a, a loser, a, uh, a political loser, is a as soon as the election is over, is going to announce their candidacy for president. And it's 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 disturbing. I was hoping it wouldn't happen. Is it Liz Cheney? Is she? But is it she... turns out that Stacey Abrams is unstoppable, Bob. Wait, she's gonna she's gonna announce for president if she loses? Well, you know, she announced for president practically last time she lost. So why not this time? You're just, this is sheer conjecture on your part. This is me showing off my new Stacey Abrams doll. It's a good doll. It is a pretty good doll. It's one of the better ones. I love that blue. But uh, she looks great. But uh, there, there is going to be a uh, an incredible rush for candidacies because the Republicans will want to beat Trump, and he's going to announce on Monday, so a Monday after the election. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know there'll be the 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 days before that are going to be filled with the Republicans declaring their candidates. So it doesn't look like they're challenging Trump. It looks like Trump is challenging them. Uh, ah, well, why doesn't he? Why doesn't he move it up and make it hard on him? Maybe he's maybe he's, he's plotting that up. very move. The elections on the eighth. He's going to announce on the fourteenth. They think he's practically he he he's. You remember when we talked about would he find a way to fuck up the election for the for the Republicans? Well, he's practically done that by announcing, I think yesterday in a rally that he would probably run for president. So all the media, of course, jumped on that to try to reinject Trump into the campaign. Uh, I don't think it's over. I'm sticking to my filer faster principle, which is it's not over over until noon on election day itself. Okay, meaning what? T- meaning what's over? The, the elect the the cake is not baked. The the right. the the doom of the Democrats is not sealed. Okay, uh, the way it's you know people are pretending it's sealed. Uh, just because things can happen and people can change their minds like that. I remember. Uh, in so the, do you want to flip the bet we have? I think the bet we have is I'm voting Democrats retain the Senate. And I think I gave you three to two odd, odds, which probably means you could sell that position on the derivatives market and make a lot of money. If you want to flip it right now for superstitious purposes or something. Wait, I claimed it. What did I claim? I think you were betting on the Republicans. I was betting on the Democrats and keeping with our allegiances. No, and no, I I'll gave keep, you at that point three to two odds. No, I'll keep that bet. The uh, The real clear politics. Uh, as you know, the Rural Politics is the more conservative of the whole aggregation sites. They they predict that the Republicans will win uh, four seats. They'll flip four seats, so they'll have 54 seats in the Senate. That seems a little much. Uh, and they also they think the Democrats, on average, will the Republicans on average will get 31 new seats in the House, which also seems a little much. Uh, in the Senate, I mean that that requires. Republicans to win Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and uh, uh, one other difficult seat, and Nevada. And uh, that seems like a, you know, a, a, a royal flush, particularly since the people who, if voters decide that Walker, Walker and Fetterman are sort of on a teeter-totter here, uh, conceptually, if voters decide that Walker uh, that Fetterman isn't eligible for office because he's unfit mentally. Aren't aren't they? 
Aren't similarly they're going to decide the same thing for Walker? I Plus, think that's a pretty Fetter different set of considerations. Actually. Well, but I think they favor Fetterman. I mean, Fetterman uh, gets a gets a big sympathy vote uh, since he's getting better, and he was you know hurt hit with a a one time we hope stroke. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like that. It seems like expecting all those things to chips to fall the Republican way is is asking a bit. Uh, so I would, I would. Oh, you don't need that I anyway. I mean, look, fifty-one would, would, zip is. I mean, fifty-one forty-nine is all. You know, is all you need. I mean, who cares? All, my, all I need to win my bet, or all I need to. No, all I you need, need for American whatever state. things you want you want to happen. I mean, supposedly. I mean, of course, you're you're yeah. you're you're clearly doing the standard Mickey thing of worrying that things go, won't go as well for your side as as you might hope, but. You know, I thought as of a couple of months ago, your claim was that you didn't really care about the Senate. You just didn't want the Republicans to have both houses. But as I read the subtext of your current obsessive anxiety, it is that you, in fact, want the Republicans to win both houses. That's up. I do just just uh, for belt and suspenders reasons. Uh, and the and if guys like Vance and and uh, Masters get in, that's much better. I, I have, to, you know, I, I think amnesty is probably dead. Uh, like the if, more, the more election but, deniers in the Senate, the better from your point of view. No, Bob, the, uh, the more, uh, immigration restrictionists in the, in the Senate, the better. Well, I nothing's going to happen. I mean, I they're mean, not going to initiate legislation that Biden signs that you like. What? They're not, they're right. I'm worried they're going to initiate legislation that Biden signs that I would like. Yeah, but you only need one house to keep that from happening. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but there's squish in immigration, there's squishes in both houses. I, I agree that immigration probably is is amnesty is probably dead. Uh the the, the more worry is the earned income tax credit because the Republican Party is split and not the earned income tax credit, the child tax credit. The refundable child tax credit because the Republican Party is split between these Yuval Levin types who have advocated giving it making it fully refundable. And, uh, you know, think we have to do something for the children. We have to show we defend the working class that we can dole out money just like the Democrats. Uh, it's ridiculous. But there, there is there is a potential there for so, for something to happen. And they're going to be look desperate for anything to happen because otherwise it's going to be gridlocked. So there's going to be this full court press. Can't we come up with anything that both houses can agree to that Biden can sign? And the tax credit is the obvious. The child tax credit is the obvious. Uh, answer to that: Will it be fully refundable, which I hate, or or mm. not fully refundable, right. which is right. okay, is the big question. But there is some danger there. So the the more the odds are stacked against it, the better from my point of view. Yes. So what do you think the chances are of the Democrats holding the Senate? Uh, I would I would say thirty percent, twenty percent. They're okay, low. so you give me five to one. I'm not going to give you any more bets. I have a winning bet already. I got to collect I know, my bet. You can, you can double up. You're, you can become you're rich. Desperate, you can become, you're desperate to recoup on your losing bet. Sorry, if buddy. You, if you wisely double up, you can afford Twitter blue. Uh, um, I can afford Twitter blue anyway. Really? Honey. That's amazing. Only because they lowered they, it. You know, they started out accepting my exact advice. You remember last week I said, I don't think Musk will have the courage to pull the rug totally out from the blue checks and say your blue checks are gone, but he might he you know he might charge them uh, money, um, and I suggested twenty a month, and then the, and then initially that's what they floated, 
more evidence that Musk religiously listens to our podcast, wakes up every morning. Is it Friday yet? Right. We got a pipeline directly into that guy's brain, but I digress. But then, uh, I mean, first of all, then he back, then he, then he, then he was bargaining with Stephen King. He said, how about 20? Stephen King says eight. No, Stephen King says no. And he says, how about eight? I mean, if I ever buy a Tesla, I want to bargain over the price with Elon Musk personally. Okay. Well, a couple of things about Musk. First, the anger at Musk is clearly what's going to displace the Democrat anger at losing the election. So it's good that they have somebody to attack as they, as you know, as opposed to, I was a little worried there was going to be violence after the election on from the left. But I don't, don't think that's going to be too busy trashing Musk. You think they're going to be too busy trashing Elon Musk. And, uh, the Musk thing is very weird because, uh, he is, you know, David Sachs, who is, seems possibly advising him, if you listen to the All In podcast. Uh, well, he's definitely he, advising him. And, and, and Musk himself has clearly said he doesn't like the lord and peasant aspect of blue checks and non-blue checks. So he's going to charge for it. So anybody, the doors of the Ritz are open to rich and poor alike. Anybody can pay $8 to get the blue check. Now that apparently will come with a little boost. Okay. That, that, which is sort of bad. I'd rather it didn't come with a boost, but if you're going to charge people $8, I guess you have to offer them something. Uh, the, then he's also going to verify big shots. So important elected officials are going to get a, not a blue check, but they're also going to get an additional line saying Joe Biden, American politician. And fine. this will also apply to public figures. No, it's not fine. Because if you apply it to public figures, that opens the door to the whole Twitter uh you know, uh, decision-making process about who's a public figure, who's an important writer. Wait, who's you not mean an so it's writer, going to again include a, journalists? He's going to get back into the lords and peasants yeah, I, business. If, if you if you if you actually follow his tweets, he's going to get back into the lord and peasant business. And if he gives those people an additional boost, then we're back to square zero. Then we're then he's achieved nothing. Okay, so uh, I don't know if he's going to get well. There's those another an additional boost. There's more cause for alarm, I think. Um, which is this thing about, uh, well, let me just say first, I was, uh, pleasantly surprised when I said 20 a month, I thought he might just leave them verified. This remains the privileged class. No one else can enter, but to stay there 20 a month. That's what I was kind of fancifully proposing. And initially he said he wasn't doing that. It was the gates were completely open. No one, you know, just is is verified by virtue of their status. Everyone has to pay for it. And then, as you said, I mean, he made it sound like politicians, I thought, uh, only. But the other sign for alar- of, of alarm is now suddenly he's saying, well, w- as I understand it, we're going to have this three-month uh, transition period, and we're not going to take any blue checks away from these people, even if they don't pay up. So I am standing by my prediction that he will never exhibit the courage to pull the rug out from under these people. He's going to rethink it again over the next three months. And they're going to find a way to keep them again because there is bread and butter. I mean, you know, uh, I hope I'm wrong. And I hope you're wrong about this public figures thing, including journalists, because he is, you know, he is completely caved. uh, If he does that, he's he's caved either way. There's two ways he can cave. I I sent a pointed response to his tweet to him so i'm sure he'll read it well just say it he's listening mickey we got a pipeline in the man's brain just say it what do you want to say 
No, I'm saying what I just said about how if he, if he has the public figure, we're back to square zero. The other thing is, the other, the other point, which I, I thought people like David Frum were wrong about, which is that you can get a blue check mark without authenticating yourself. So, you know, the, the original purpose of the blue right. check marks is now it would completely vanish. I think he's going to rethink that, too. No, I uh, think he's still going to sell them. I think he's still going to sell them. I think I think eight bucks is going to get anyone one of these things. I just the, that's the problem. Then 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 when they're authenticated, then they become public figures uh, in, well, no, the, in the elite things. again. No, but but I think they but they originally the original public figures did start as an authentication thing, and then anybody right. important enough, anybody important enough to be a public figure might have a have a you know. A doppelganger imitating him, so uh, it, it makes sort of sense to meld them, and then we'll just yeah. be then then it'll it'll be a disaster. I I think Sachs will David Sachs will set him straight. It's impressive how much he tweeted he tweet he tweet David Sachs, who's a uh, a man crush of ours, according to some critics. Uh, Who said that? Who said that? Some somebody uh, somebody perhaps, on Twitter. No, perhaps somebody who sent me an email. Uh, the, um, I know who has, this is. has said, has said that, uh, the left is upset, not because, uh, you know, not because they'll have to pay $8, but because it'll be open to anybody who pays $8 and eight people have just ju dumped on him. Like, like this was the most horrible thing to say. And of course that means he's over the target, but he seems to be a very sensible guy and he is tight with Musk. I suspect, you know, on the all in podcast, they're all saying, well, are you going to show up at Market Street? And he didn't knock it down. So uh, Market Street being Twitter headquarters. No, I think so, he could he could wind up as CEO or something. But I would encourage him to advise Musk to just slow the fuck down. I mean, I don't understand why they they want to give the appearance of being a bull in a china shop. And uh, at the you same know, time, he's trying to calm people's nerves and prevent them from leaving. It does right. seem. So. I mean, I mean, it's like okay, we're going to fire half the staff. We're going to raise this to twenty. Oh, I meant eight. You know, I don't, I don't. And then the Nancy Pelosi tweet is the biggest mind blower to me. I mean, you know, the, the tweet where he replies to Hillary Clinton, you know, who, who she links to this. Uh, I mean, you know about this, right? This was a big deal. She, she Hillary is Clinton. Is this the recent one or the one a few days ago? The original one. It's like right after he takes Did over he Twitter. To Hil Hillary herself? Yeah. Hillary had tweeted. Okay. Uh, Linking to evidence that the the guy who who took a hammer to Pelosi's husband's head was involved in this right wing crazy ecosystem, right. which is apparently true. And Musk replied, "Well, there may be." There's a, he said, "There's a tiny possibility that there's more to this story than meets the eye." And he linked to this, uh, you know, Santa Monica Observer, barely coherent post. From, uh, on this do, very dubious website where this guy says, a source tells me, and that's it, doesn't say what kind of source it is, well, it's and throws out this gay prostitute theory. And it's like, even if Musk believes this is likely true, which would be alarming in itself, like there's nothing in him saying, hey, you just took over Twitter. They're already saying, you know, you're going to let all yeah, these well. right-wing conspiracy theorists go nuts and you're a right-wing menace. Maybe take it easy. What do you think is going on I in his head? I, mean, I think he's being Elon Musk. I think he doesn't have to have those inhibitions. But uh, the other possibility is, 
he has so much else on his plate that he feels he has to deal with Twitter on the side very quickly, you know, in his this coffee is, Yeah, but this is, uh, see, I should uh, plug. It's $44 I plug. billion, dollars, so you think he'd pay some attention to it. Well, yeah, in some ways he's acting like it matters a lot. I mean, I should plug the piece in my uh, newsletter, non-zero newsletter, about the question of cognitive empathy uh, and him. I mean, I actually just wanted to, it's mainly an excuse to get into the, psychology literature about whether having power diminishes your the resources you devote to perspective taking you know you don't you get worse at reading people or you just care less but what for for whatever reason that happens um i get into that and and and, uh you know of course musk I, i get in fact that he has also himself said he has, uh, he called it Asperger's. It's more commonly called autism spectrum disorder, which has been associated with the same thing, like not, you know, reading people. But honestly, I, I don't, I, I, I'd love to hear what people who know him as the actual theory. You seem to think it's not a big deal. It just to me, if I just uh, took I, over this company, it clearly matters to him. It would just be a flashing red light. Like, like, no, like we're not doing any ideology this week. It, it, you, that would be a rule, right? It was sort of like he was demonstrating the kind of place that Twitter is going to be when, when he takes it over. It's going to be freewheeling. Well, and so, so like uh, as he, if he, the doubting that is his big problem. Uh, well, you would do things differently. He, um, well, it, it, it is very weird. I mean, I, I mean, obviously this prostitutes don't break down the rear of your house with a hammer. Good point. Uh, so, so uh, but there are they, they, some char- weird, they charge extra for that, actually. There are some. That's right. It's part of uh, the fantasy. Don't go there. Don't uh, go there. The, OK, the uh, uh, there are some weird things. I mean, the guy's been bashed in the head with a hammer. So that's the main thing. And, and you wish him a speedy recovery. And it's a horrible crime. Uh, why? Like the my main word is he 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 brilliantly says somehow gets he says, I'm going to the bathroom. Get gets away from the guy and calls the police. Mm-hmm. Why does he come out of the bathroom? I would not come out of the bathroom. I would barricade the door. If the guy tried to break in, I would push back and hope the police come before he breaks down. Is the door. that your only evidence? Uh, you know, we got very scattered reporting about what happened and your well, only we know evidence. He was, you know, we, we know he was out of the bathroom. No, I just don't know. We know yeah. he was out of the bathroom when the police came because he answered the door. I mean, the other okay. thing, again, what I'm saying about Musk is totally independent of whether Musk himself gave this uh, any credence. It just it just doesn't make sense in any event. But there, there yeah. was a re- there was a report on NBC, which raised a bunch of other issues, which they have now retracted as not meeting their standard. Well, the one and, thing and the, poli- I- the police, the police are in a bad place because they have to explain why they let the guy bash him in the head with a hammer after they showed up which is a little weird. Yeah, well, again, like, you know, one thing I can say for sure is they didn't sit there and go, okay, take one more whack and then we're putting the cuffs on. I mean, why, why, you know, it's like you get this scattered reporting and these things that don't seem to make sense wind up either being wrong or making sense. Right, that's the way. No, no, it'll all come out and it'll it'll be basically what we think, which is a crazy man came and bashed him in the head with a hammer. What are the chances that his gay lover is also like a QAnon or whatever the hell this guy is? Come on. I I didn't raise, Bob, you said the the G word. I did not say that. No, I already said gay prostitute. That is the, that is everybody knows what the crazy conspiracy theory is. Well, that's what Elon Musk thought when he emailed Hillary. Right. 
the other thing I want to say is uh, some people he have. Go ahead. He, he replied to Hillary. Yeah. The Go other ahead. thing I want to say is I've heard some people make a big deal out of apparently the 911 dispatcher told police something where he seemed to describe the guy with the hammer as a friend. And I remember looking at that thing and, and actually thinking, actually, there's two ways where she says, and he advised that he was a friend or something like that, that he could be the hammer guy and and the guy could be say, and, and, and it could be when he comes in the door, he's like, what's the deal? And the guy says, I'm a friend of Nancy's or something. I mean, who knows? It was an ambiguous, well, it was an well, ambiguous I think utterance. it's much more likely that he was trying to placate the guy. and talk, that he's, too. Trying, he's trying to talk his way out of a jam. With this crazy yeah, man, it, and one that, way one way is not to antagonize the crazy man by calling him a friend. That the guy could overhear him, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's that, the other that, thing. That's anyway, the, I, I, that's, I, the, that's the Nelly Bowles theory. I attach a one in one thousand. I currently attach a one in one thousand probability to this uh, story being that bo being borne out. Uh, the, story, the, the, the conspiracy the, theory. The conspiracy. Oh theory. Yeah. yeah, of course. Uh, but I know it sounded like you were taking it seriously. You're the one. No, who I, I was saying there were other discrepancies that I do do as weird. And forget the conspiracy theory. I still want to know why he came out of the bathroom. I, I mean, I mean, even if it's exactly what we think it is, why did he? It just it, people do crazy things when they're under duress, or maybe they had he had to placate him. I'm sure there's an explanation. Well, maybe the guy. Seemed, I just want to know. Maybe the guy seemed still seems controllable. And he's got this story that I'm going to the bathroom. Oh, we don't need to get right. it. Fuck no, this. It's well, all time is too it's short. All Let's talk about it's it. all possible. Right. I, I I I just resent you saying that I was buying defending the conspiracy theory. I wasn't doing that. Well, you you were the I was one saying who... there were other weird things about it that will the, right. The, 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 you you know that's all. Yeah. Whatever. Um. So. The, uh, so. Um. Uh. Well, hey, the wait, main. But. Well, I think the Twitter thing we could talk about, certainly, in the parrot room. I do have, by the way, uh, a, a theory whereby this could all be a brilliant plan that would be both good for Tesla and wind up getting Musk elected president. I will share that with you. Okay. Um, I, there's a way to connect I, the dots where, I, where the scene, there's a method to the madness. I doubt it. I think it's I'm inexplicable. People who tweet while driving Tesla's got another boost. Hmm. Well, uh, on autopilot. Anyway, uh, if they're on autopilot, they got a double boost. Uh, so I wanted to talk about Ukraine. This is something we talked about uh, just between us last week, but I think it 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 merits rediscussing. Which is, you know, well, right now the situation in Ukraine is they're about to take Kherson, but they're about to take in Kherson for weeks, and they might. They're going to eventually take it by the end of the year. That seems like a slow timetable. That's fine. You know, want to boil the frog slowly. Uh, doesn't bother me, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. Well, I think the big question is, and the conventional wisdom keeps going back and forth on this, are the Russians planning to just stage an orderly retreat? As of last week, I said the pendulum had swung in the direction of, no, the, the Russians are going to stick it out. Then this week, I started uh, hearing a bunch of people saying, actually, even though they're moving some stuff into Kherson City across the river from the east, that's just because staging an orderly retreat requires having a strong position. There are other signs that they're getting out of the way. This morning, I heard on the BBC that officers 
have left Kherson City for the east. Uh, the Ukrainians have taken, I mean, the Russians have taken some Russian flags down, but then other people say, no, it's a trick. Then the Ukrainians will rush in and get ambushed. I, I think that at last check, the conventional wisdom was shifting toward the Russians do plan to retreat. Uh, I, I mean, thought they, they were leaving behind demoralized conscripts. I think that's that's right. But 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 that's a holding. That's a I think that's a temporary holding action if in one scenario. Like again, an orderly retreat, you know, requires leaving some people behind for a while. Right. Um, uh, okay. So, okay. Well, and they're not, so, and they're not high ranking officers. Okay. So in my, it's, it, uh, it, it, when I argue with other people about the war, uh, I, I found it, I'm, I, I'm more and more playing the nuclear Trump card. I say, yeah, 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 it's going well, but he has nukes. It's foolish. And, and David Sachs plays the nuclear Trump card too. It says, are we really going to risk nuclear war over Crimea? It's all, and, before then, it seemed like I had a stronger argument that didn't involve nukes. So my question, to, you know, in part because it really did seem like pushing NATO up to the Russian borders was an extreme, extremely ill-advised thing to do and aggressive. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, and it, it, so there's a little bit of wrong there that you sort of want to cut Putin some slack because that was sort of overly aggressive. But he did invade the country, and he should, in in all justice. If justice was done, he would be pushed back out. But so if if you assume take nuclear off, this is a, a follower suggested this. One of the commenters take take the nuclear weapons off the table, take them out of the equation. Assume that as you have suggested, he's not going to invade Estonia and the other NATO countries, so we're secure there. Definitely assume, not. assume, as I think you also may have suggested, that we can keep U.S. troops from being involved in the conflict and being killed. Well, I worry uh, about so, that. So, I mean, so, I worry okay. about that, but go ahead. Uh, but if you assume that, what is the what is the cost of going pedal the metal and helping Ukraine to the hilt and hoping they just win everything in sight? Well, first of all, I don't assume that he wouldn't use nuclear weapons under any circumstances, but you asked no, me I'm to saying, assume that. I'm just, as a, as a, as a hy well, hypothetical argument, the what other is, threat. What are the other concerns? The other is threat it, is so-called. Is it just the nukes? Is it just the nukes? So no, it's so-called okay. horizontal escalation, escalation, which winds up uh, involving all of Europe in a war between Russia and NATO, uh, which itself just intrinsically carries the possibility uh, of nukes. Because you know, at that point, it's very hard to seem like you're not threatening Russian territory. You're wiping out their navy. You're you're, you're bound to be bombing shit in Russia. And at that point, their doctrine is, I think, pretty unambiguous. They use the nukes, right? So, but if if but if, how does this, this war with Europe start if he, if he's not going to invade any NATO country like Estonia? I mean, if NATO is sacrosanct, how how is there a, a continent wide war with Europe? Um, he's scared to invade NATO. Maybe he gets just desperate enough that he wants to interdict interdict supply lines. Uh, on the Polish side of the border, that would be a big line for him to cross. I think I think the oceans are kind of a perilous area. I mean, I mean, for example, like uh, we saw uh, these this attempt with these drone boats to uh, blow up a ship in the harbor in Sebastopol, which I gather failed. I, I think we would have seen footage of a, of a sinking ship. We saw dramatic footage of 
that that you know kept kept the pro-Ukraine side happy for a couple of hours. It seems really cool, but I don't think they blew anything up. I think the boats were the boats were reportedly provided by the U.S. There's a certain amount of evidence that that uh, some of these plans have been hatched by Britain. Um, you know, there's also so so anyway. I mean, you start. <laughs> And, and, you know, Ukraine is to some extent, I mean, they're not they're not completely on a leash. I mean, if they use some of these these assets to blow up Russian ships, that's a major uh, depending on the ship, depending where it is. I mean, they sunk one ship, the Moskva, but that was like if they use U.S. assets, if we use, they use things, we provide them. There's all kinds of things. I just want to repeat. I just want to repeat that. If if something becomes an existential threat to the Putin regime, okay, I just think all bets are off. Various kinds of escalation, various kinds of desperation. And, and don't be under the illusion that there's a line you can draw on Ukraine and say, well, anything up to this isn't a threat to the Putin regime. We don't know enough about internal right, Russian right. politics to know when he feels threatened domestically. So you're saying he might not, even if he doesn't use nukes, he might like take a shot at a U.S. warship in a way that involves us or a yeah. British warship or a French warship. Yeah. Uh, or, uh, or he could uh, feel that he, he may not have enough sub- domestic support for another mobilization or as much as he'd like. So he might want to provoke the involvement because this whole narrative is this is me versus the West. Yeah, I mean, this right. is us versus the West. In a way, the more involved the West is, the better for him in terms of domestic politics. Uh, I just, you know, it's a nuclear power. I mean, of course, I don't buy your assumption that he would never use nuclear right. weapons. I think no, that's flatly I, wrong. Right. But I, the, the, but the exercise we're going through is, is there an argument aside from nuclear weapons? Well, the and standard I, I, I first answer is horizontal escalation, yeah, I th- Europe engulfed in war. I thought you were going to say something else, which is, uh, A, if Putin, Putin might be deposed and whoever comes might be much worse. Could well be. Uh, uh, and uh, B, uh, it will create a permanent, it, it's not going to be a situation, suppose suppose Ukraine wins, uh, Putin is deposed by somebody who's no worse, no better, okay? Uh, it's not going to be a, a Japan-Germany after World War II situation where they say, and this is what Timothy Snyder seems to suggest, they rethink their national identity so that they're not imperialists and they're like a, you know, they become a happy member of the of the global capitalist yeah, democracy. Yeah. It's not going to be that. It's going to they're going to be, bear a permanent grudge that is going to be a Mickey, problem it, for us for decades and decades. It isn't just the grudge. We had to occupy both of those countries. Do you want to occupy Russia? We had to we, the way we rebuilt our government was we occupied them after unconditional surrender. Good point. Um, uh, so you know, the one, one thing I, I, about about Putin being deposed. Well, go ahead. No, I mean, I mean, Timothy Snyder. He he he's sort of bipolar. He says, "Well, Putin will just stop the war when it's when the costs outweigh the benefits, and he'll just stop. He'll just stop." And then the next thing is, Russia won't end the war until it totally rethinks its national identity. Well, Timothy which is Snyder it? is completely incoherent. I did a piece where, that I led in my newsletter some time ago where I just quoted what he said on the Ezra Klein podcast. He, he was attributing crazy psychological properties to Putin. He said, Putin doesn't care about the Russian economy. Putin, wait a second, the leader of a country who doesn't care how the economy is doing? Give me a break. 
I mean, he said he said several things as crazy as that. Re- remember how Timothy Snyder came became this big thing, okay? He in the yes. aftermath of the Trump election, when the way to get traction on social media was to be the most tribal fear-mongering person you could and warn about the maximally scary Trump scenario, which I have to admit was born out on January 6th. But still, the point is the biggest rabble-rousers, the biggest fear-mongers got the attention. So he got all that traction on Facebook. A book editor I know saw the posts on Facebook, said, this guy knows how to get traction on Facebook. Hey, want to write a little book? He wrote a tiny little book that sold a jillion copies. That's why Timothy Snyder is with us because yeah. he's highly tribalistic and good at scaring people. All right. What, what you you were about to make a point when I brought in Timothy Snyder? Well, the, on this issue of uh, Biden uh, or, or Putin being deposed, a, a, a theory I threw out. I I had this guy uh, Samuel uh, Cherup from the Rand Corporation, who's very good Ukraine expert. On my podcast, he didn't buy this theory, but it kind of half makes sense to me. I mean, because I can't figure out what the Biden endgame is. On the one hand, they do seem worried Biden about can't either. So well, right. But here was a thought. They do seem worried about nukes. So it seems like they don't really want to push things too close to Russia's border. Uh, they're, they're presumably aware that there's a threat as the war drags on of Russians starting to uh, do better. So if both of those extremes are unfavorable, and option C is just like things saying more or less where they are. Why are they so hostile toward peace initiatives? And uh, well, one one possibility I thought is, you know, there is this problem, and it's a real problem, of any peace deal leaves Putin in charge with a fair amount of terrain, any peace deal now. A, that's positive enforcement for invading a sovereign country. Bad. B. It's politically bad for Biden because everybody points out that it's uh, reinforcement for invading a sovereign country. And so it's like, hey, hey, Biden, you just lost to Putin. And what I thought is, if they think they can just play, play this out long enough for Putin to be deposed, they can kind of declare victory on both counts, even if Russia stays. So then they can do their peace deal. Russia's got land, but you can still say, no, it was negative reinforcement for invading because the leader was deposed. And B... Biden beat Putin because Putin's not around anymore. Now, Samuel Cherup didn't buy that. He knows more than I do, but I think it's an interesting theory. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, he, he, we, there, there's sort of a unified uh, theory of the Biden administration, which is forming. And it was bizarrely uh, put forward in the Washington Post by Ashley Parker, of all people, who's usually sort of an unhinged, uh, sorry, an extreme pro-Biden voice. She, she's the one who said, who said, you know, tried to draw a connection between January 6th and the and the uh, attack on Pelosi using like a few little data points. Didn't really add up. Anyway, she, her point is she talks to the Bi- people in the Biden administration and they say the problem with these guys is they only game out the best case scenario. They don't spend a lot of time on the things that can go wrong and couple that with in addition to that. This best case scenario is always highly leveraged and a triple bank shot. So the best case scenario for his legislation was, gee, we have a, you know, not even a a vote advantage in the Senate. We have a one vote advantage in the Senate. So we'll pass everything on, you know, we'll pass this giant new, new deal 
even though we can only we can't afford to lose any votes, uh, we'll pass this giant new new deal on this uh, this uh, special reconciliation bill, and we'll put everything in, and the result will be a gigantic triumph. Trump is the new FDR. It was like a double bank shot. Never going to happen. Much too complicated. Uh, similarly, they think, oh, this is great. Putin will lose. Uh, you know, we'll get the regime change in Russia, and then China will be scared away from Taiwan, and we'll get win, 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 win. Okay, triple bank shot. Uh, and let's not, don't, don't, you know, let's go for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, think big. Uh, and, and that would be the unifying theory. He hasn't thought it through. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, and I didn't even know who's doing the thinking in the administration. I mean, I actually taped this conversation with Brett Weinstein yesterday, which we can also talk about in the pair room. Who won? Oh, that's, that's not like for Biden me to decide. It, and it's his podcast, so I don't know when it's going to air. But uh, but he was big on this. sound very confident. He was highly alarmed. Well, there there have been times when I thought I won in the past and, and uh, I was uh, like like with Chris Hitchens, you know, and it's like you realize atmospheric count for so much. I, I think in this kind of argument, it's going to be the people who agreed with you going in are going to say you won. It's, you know. It's, you, you agreed with him on Ukraine, though, right? We we didn't talk much about that at all. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But, but anyway, he, he's sorry. just very alarmed about Biden's cognitive uh, help. But who can, Biden's cognitive thing is irrelevant. Whoever's making the decisions, we want to have, uh, you know, high cognitive ability. But if they then pass it up to Biden and he puts a check mark on it, then he, whoever that that unknown person is, is the important thing. Um, right. yeah, and you know, I, I, you know, why haven't there's so many things we haven't seen good reporting on? One, well, first of all, one is like. What does a blue check on Twitter get you right now? There are a lot of people saying, oh, it's only a status symbol. I'm pretty sure it's bullshit. You know, Bill Sher said on the DMZ podcast last night, when he first got his blue check, he noticed right away he got a lot more blue check followers. So there's that, right. apparently. I think it, it, I've heard that either you can set it or it's set by default if you're a blue check, that you either only see other blue right. check tweets or preferentially see them. I'm pretty sure this algorithm just, but why can't, I mean, for God's sake, why doesn't Jack Dorsey for once do a public service and just tell us? Like, what is the deal? Well, you want to know all sorts of things about the black box that is Twitter. Uh, This is a simple one. How how real are the advantages of of blue checks? And and uh, but anyway, the other piece of reporting I'd like to see and you'd think we'd have seen some is like, who does have influence in this White House? Has there ever been a White House where that was a more important question? Maybe Reagan in the waning days. Um, but uh, no, right, I've been I've been complaining that for for a while. Uh, like, what are they doing? We started to get. We started. There is no Maggie Haberman for the B- Biden White House to tell us exactly what's happening because the Biden people, unlike the Trump people, don't call up Maggie Haberman and tell her everything that's happening. So. Uh, it, 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 you know, they, we we don't know. I mean, I my my best guess is uh, is is you know that it's it's very very political. That one of the reasons they uh, one of the reasons they're so hawkish now is because of the midterms, uh, and after the midterms, the uh, flexibility will be possible, as they say. But Biden is still haunted by the. Withdrawal from Afghanistan, which is, as everybody points out, that is when his poll numbers plummeted. 
He was at 50% and above before Afghanistan. Then he plummeted to the low 40s, and he's never recovered. So he mm. doesn't want that to happen again. Uh, so that's a bad influence. By the way... But in, in, the, in, the, in the Obama White House, I assumed it was Tom Donilon, but Tom Donilon is not in the Biden White House. His brother is, but not him. I mean, also, you know, Obama was in charge of shit, including his faculties. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I, I, I there well, are always who, who, gatekeepers and it matters who they are. But, you know, who decided after Benghazi to put the whole effort on onto this video and to like cover up what had actually happened for a few days? Was that an Obama? Was that a, I think Obama was sort of out of touch, was out of pocket. I, was that an Obama decision? I don't think it was an Obama decision. I don't know. Decision. I think it was maybe last I think week. it was somebody else's. I think it was in the parrot room last week where I called up that old, that 2013 Wall Street Journal article indicating that the person decisive in the arming of the Syrian rebels, at least one of the two programs, the CIA army may have started earlier, but was Tony Blinken. Tony Blinken. Hmm. Uh, well, it could, be, it could be Tony Blinken. I mean, yeah. that, that is his job. <laughs> so, so, well, now, but he, I he mean, he may actually be doing his job. He, he, had, he had just become, I think, Deputy National Secu no, but, uh, Security uh, but Advisor. But now it, it's his job to set foreign policy. So maybe he's actually setting foreign policy. Oh, I think he's playing a big role. The question, the question there is just him versus Jake Sullivan, who is doing what? I think they're pretty much on the same page. Right. And it's um, not a good page, probably. But uh, like I say, I don't think they're that political and i think there is somebody else involved who is totally political either his wife or or uh ron Klain would be yeah. the two main or mike donlin hey you, three, you know one reason i'm happy elon bought twitter there's a in in the newsletter we're publishing today there's a piece about this attempt to it's like it's closer to true mccarthyism than than the stuff we've been seeing on russia there's a uh, there's a, a company called the China Project that puts out a very good pod, American company called very good podcast called Seneca, and a disgruntled former employee is contending that you know without any evidence, but, but she thinks they are agents of the Chinese government. You know, and they, they've been very critical of China, even though they are pro engagement, so not as critical as some. Um, and she's gotten near Marco Rubio. And so now there's serious discussion of taking, uh, you know, they put out a newsletter, they put out the podcast, there's serious discussion. And, and Rubio apparently is, is spearheading the charge along with uh, Chris Smith in the house um, to actually do some kind of investigation that could lead them to be designated agents of a foreign power, which would, well, it would create various kinds of problems for them. But as social media stands, you know, it would get them some kind of special warning label, I think, on all their posts and probably demote them via the algorithm, I assume. It would give them the status of like RT. And and uh, so I, I just think Musk will be, I hope, less inclined than some, uh, including Mark Zuckerberg, probably, uh, to just, uh, you well, know, cater to the dictates of... Well the national security state. Well, you don't we, you don't have to go to Marco Rubio, go to the New York Times which published this hit piece on JD Vance because he invested in a company Rumble that kept RT that allowed RT to keep its channel on Rumble and that there was this whole McCarthyist attack on JD Vance how he's 
betraying our cause in time of war by letting these mm -hmm. horrible RT people. I mean, that was worse than anything right. Rubio's but, done. But what I'm saying is Rubio can, this can actually lead them to being formally designated agent, an American media company being designated agent of a foreign principal, which has all these implications. They have to do a bunch of reporting and shit. Right. As ben, ben Smith wrote it up in Semaphore, they have to, it's like a scarlet letter. And as I said, it, it can lead to social media demotion. Yeah. I want, they're bringing all these charges against people for being agents of foreign powers. The latest, the two most prominent are Tom Barak, Barak who just got acquitted. He just, uh, the, the, the charges were so thin if, uh, representing the UAE. And the thinnest one is Steve Wynn who they're charging with being an unregistered agent of China, even though they admit that everything Wynn advised Trump to do was something that was in Wynn's own financial interest. Yeah. So uh, if, if they can't conv convict Barrick, they're not going to be able to convict Wynn. No. I wonder if that's going to somehow put a damper on all this, uh, on that, this, what's obviously a, 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 an initiative to counter China's influence. I don't know. The Cold War psychology is picking up on both sides with Russia and China. And, and uh, so, so social media are going to play a big role in determining the extent to which uh, that constrains speech. Um, maybe they'll go. They're also going to go after Musk for China, of course, which isn't well, completely insane. Since they're also huge going after there. I mean, uh, um, and Russia, too, probably. Uh, he doesn't make cars in Russia, I don't think. Oh yeah, there's that. He makes he makes a third of his cars in China, I think, and they're the, they're the future growing market. So uh, yeah, he may have his beef with China. For all I for all we know, China will start throttling him, and they want their homegrown electric cars to get traction. So uh, maybe he'll turn into an anti-Chinese force. Who knows? Uh, uh, eventually, they may. I doubt that's imminent. Uh, but but it is it, it there is he's got a complicated life. <laughs> it's a lot more complicated than it was. <laughs> and I'm willing to buy. I just want to go go on record as saying I'm willing to buy Twitter a discount. If he wants to unload it. Well, uh, you're gonna after you lose your bet, you're gonna be a little lighter in the wallet. Let's just do that. The bet on the election? Yes. Yeah, I know. That's why I want to buy it now. Um. So how long have we been talking? Uh, I think about, I'm guessing 45 minutes. I don't, you know, the Zoom, Zoom does not have a, why not? Why don't they have like a recorder, like a, like a, like a counter in case you forget to. I think it's more like 45 minutes anyway. Um, yeah, that's what I think. I, I'm is. happy. I'm happy to keep talking or we can, uh, we can, um, um you know, charge well, people $8 to hear the last 15 minutes. Hey, we may be, well, we'll, we'll assess what we're doing for, uh, for, you know, we'll assess, we'll, we may discuss Parrot Room Blue uh, next week. Uh, the, uh, oh, I know, sports quiz for you. Quick, to, just to further reveal you as, a, as the sham that you are, your little Oscar impersonation, uh, right? So this right. is another World Series trivia question, okay? Okay. And again, you fashion yourself as this man of the people, the Oscar of the Felix and Oscar team. And yet, I'm the one who asks the trivia questions and you're the one who gets them wrong. Okay, 
World and Series. The last one, right? You even Canadian. know what the count is in the World Series right now? Two games apiece. No. Yes. Is it? No, it's three to two, I think. Didn't no. the Astros win last night? Last night, I think the Astros won. That's tied it up at two, I believe. I believe you'd be wrong. Let me see. Um, but anyway, here's the here's the trivia. The, the question. last night was the no hitter, right? Uh, I gather it was. Yeah, yeah. No, Houston leads three to two. So you already got one wrong. Really? But here's the here's the real here's the good one. So as a rule, I root for I would root for Philadelphia. I lived there. And year. By the way, game. by the way, in 1980, I stood in line to get World Series tickets in Philadelphia. Almost died. Almost died. There were times. The crowd was so uncontrolled, I got, I, I, I didn't, my feet were not touching the ground. It was scary, but I digress. I mean, all night, waited in line all night. Fortunately, this is back when I still drank, so it wasn't real, uh, all that bad a time. But here's the question. Let's go back further, Mickey. I'm 12 years old. I'm in San Francisco. After a Giants game, we're going back to our car. We see a guy who seems to be an athlete, you know, in plain clothes, surrounded by autograph seekers. I'm like, I'd love to have an autograph. I don't know which giant this is, but I'd love to have this autograph. Now, now the question is, why does this experience make me ambivalent about who wins the World Series this weekend? Okay, that's the question. Now, let me finish. I'm going to get you really should get this. It's so easy. I, I walk up. I wait. You know, it's this guy. It's this, this black guy. Looks like an athlete. Uh I, I, I finally get up there. He signs his name. I look at the name and I like, I know the Giants roster. I'm like, shit, this guy isn't a Giant. And I, I look at the program. I go, oh, he's, he's a Dodger. And his name is Mickey Dusty Baker. Well, Dusty Baker is the coach of the Astros. Okay, you're one for two. You're actually one for three because you got last week's wrong. I don't think I did. But anyway. Um, totally. Uh, oh, how did I miss a game? That's bizarre. Uh, the no-hitter must have been two games ago then. I think the no-hitter was... I don't know. I haven't watched anyway, the games. Uh, oh, 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 uh, another. The, this is a good trivia question. Speaking of which, speaking of which, Don Larson in 1956 pitched the first and only perfect game in a World Series. Yeah. 1956. Who were the first two pitchers in all of Major League history to pitch perfect games in all of major league history. Can you name either one, of them? If you can name one, one of them. One of them was Harvey Haddock. I think he went 12 innings. <laughs> Is that true? I think, and, and I think he, he may have lost the game. I don't know. They're, Wait, he was the first? I don't know if he was the first. I think he was one of them. And I think, yeah, the, I think, I think Bob Belinsky pitched one too. The amazing fact, is that apparently Don Larson was the second in all of Major League history. There had only been one period, even in the regular season, when he pitched his World Series perfect game. Hard to do. Um, You're unimpressed, I can tell. Uh, well, anyway, why why would you be worried if why would why would you be worried if the guy who we were seeking autographs from was Juan Marichal and he had a baseball bat in his hand? Because uh, Juan Marichal clubbed the catcher John Roseborough over the head with a baseball bat. After John Roseborough threw the pitch uh, back, Marichal was batting a little too close to Marichal's nose for his comfort. Correct. Who was, who was, uh, was he batting or was he in the, uh, on deck circle? I think he was in the, well, well, Marichal was batting. I think Willie Mays was in the on deck circle. 
Who was in the on-deck circle when Bobby Thompson hit the shot heard around the world? Uh, I don't know. Willie Mays. Uh, and what have they discovered about the shot heard around the world that is similar to things the Houston Astros practiced as little as a few years ago? But they were stealing signals, stealing the catcher's signals from the center field, and so they knew a fastball was coming. I would think you would be very opposed to the Astros winning just on the grounds the same way you oppose Putin for crossing international boundaries. They violated a clear norm, Bob. They should be punished. A norm and a law. Is it a law? <laughs> I guess. When they, were, when they were stealing signals, and but, but they get points for creativity because they were conveying them. You know how they were conveying them to the batter? By dumping the gate, by hitting a barrel of... Yeah, they were pounding them in some noise. Why Why shouldn't the rule be you should keep your own signs secret if they can steal them? Fine. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know that it's a... Uh, I, I actually don't... I, I don't think there's... There's probably a rule against some forms of stealing, and I don't know what the deal is. It's a, okay, it's a norm. It's a norm. Anyway... Why shouldn't they... Why shouldn't they... Why should the rule be that you're allowed to give signs at all, right? Maybe the rule should be the catcher should just have to guess what the pitch is, what pitch is coming. Which brings me to my point about you, Darvish a pitcher for San Diego where they did not make the World Series. Yeah. He has a pitch that's unhittable. It's a fastball and it moves around like a knuckleball. Uh-huh. So it's coming at 90 miles an hour and going like this. It's a, Why does he throw any other pitches? He has seven other pitches. Who cares? He's an idiot. He should throw that pitch every time it cannot be hit. I suspect it's not literally unhittable or he would. No, I suspect it's too hard to throw that every time. It would wear out his arm. Well, curveballs aren't exactly easy on your arm. Well, then there's no. I, I then I can't explain it. it I mean, it, they're, they're they're hard on different parts of your arm, so maybe it does make sense to vary. Anyway, um, we digress. So, uh, look, uh, Brazil, Israel, you win some, you lose some. Bolsonaro's gone. Bibi is back. Speaking uh, speaking of uh, Israel, they're the. I was going to ask you another quiz question, but I kind of gave okay. it away. So the General Assembly uh, every year uh, votes on our policy of embargoing Cuba. Um, and uh, the question, you know, it's not binding. The General Assembly has no power, but it's, it's, it's uh, an expression of disapproval. Of all the countries in the world, I was going to ask, but I've given it away. Can you name the only country that voted along with the United States? It was like two against like 190 something, 180 something with, with like three abstentions. Ukraine abstained. Thank you. But anyway, Ukraine, uh, Israel supported us in keeping with the deal we have with them. They support our horrible destructive policies. We support their horrible, destructive policies at the UN. Working out great. It's working out great. Um, well, one big foreign policy story, in addition, you know, the, uh, Mr. Khan was uh, shot in the leg, both legs, I think, in Pakistan. So that I don't, I don't quite understand if the military controls Pakistan, and if they turn against Khan, what is he going to accomplish by marching? To the capital and threatening to take over the government. The military, either he will fail or the military will guarantee that he fails. 
it's like a suicide mission. What I, I mean, I mean, there are times when, uh, first of all, sometimes the military is factionalized, and right. and there's disagreement within it. Sometimes it's trying to read the direction of the wind. You know, remember in Egypt, the military said, "Okay, we're with the protesters." Uh, we want democracy. Turned out they were just kidding, and they eventually staged a coup once they didn't like the, the elected president. But, uh, you know, there's there's sometimes fluidity in these things. I mean, the amazing, I'm amazed by the persistence of these demonstrations in Iran. Uh, you don't you don't usually see things continue this long with this much energy. I think maybe the energy has waned somewhat, but I still every day see a video of a what seems to be a sizable protest. Just yesterday, I saw a bunch of cops chased away by a crowd. Um, impressive. Well, especially since the regime sort of said, okay, this is it. Next time you're all going to get killed. And then they didn't do anything. So, uh, or didn't do that. So, it just, yes, it's impressive. I, it just, and, and look, I'm, I'm not, I'm in no position to uh, be a backseat driver, but I wonder if instead of chanting death to the dictator, they like had some clear like political demand. Like, for example, like we change Cens there's censure and move on. No, no, but it's like there's some council that elects a supreme leader. You know, the president has real power, some real power. Parliament has some real power, but most of the power is with the supreme leader who's selected by some council. And then it's one of these circular things where I I I guess he he each Supreme Leader selects some council members and they select, I don't know how it works, but it's not democratic. If they just had one distinct demand, like uh, let's say every other person in this council is selected by parliament or something, which is actually democratically elected. I mean, one, you know, actual demand that would make a difference or they're all selected by parliament, right? Or something other than death of the, I mean you're just not going to get a very warm reception if what you were demanding is the death of the supreme leader I think I think you know death to act is sort of the 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 basic chant it's like it's like yeah well you know it's it's uh it doesn't take much to get the death chant I don't think no and revolutions but, uh, have a, a a checkered history let's just say and maybe maybe it's because they're not in uh, in, in Iran the they have a pretty successful history now well, the one seventy nine, and that was and that was uh, not a, a, a moderate approach. Well, and the Mossadegh one. Well, that was a coup that we sponsored. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, the um, there was a reporter for the L.A. Times who was tarred for life as a uh, as a, as a complicit in the coup because. Uh, he, came, you know, the, the 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 tanks that were staging the coup sort of stopped and asked him which way was the presidential palace, and he said it's it's that way, <laughs> and uh, and then he was branded a CIA agent. Uh, maybe he shouldn't have said that. No. Maybe he should have said the giveaway. Uh, you're on your own. Uh, anyway, um, so the, it does seem to me the other big topic we don't have to discuss it here is is Ch how bad is China's economy? I mean the the the, the 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 it would be a huge story if the if the if the story was China's economy is basically slowly collapsing. I don't think it's quite that, but factory production, the real estate industry is collapsing. Factory production is act, actually down. Uh, there are all sorts of bad signs, and you know, and she is is waging this 
uh, campaign of putting politics of communist control over economics. And so nobody wants to invest there anymore because they, they could succeed like Jack Ma and Jack Ma <laughs> has disappeared. Right. So uh, uh, that's like a gigantic story. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, he's uh, he's not a free marketer. Uh, and I mean, I think two reasons. I think he just kind of has statist instincts. He's, he's, you know, as I was saying last week, I think in the parent room, his father was a old communist party guy. And, uh, then also, yeah, he, he, he considers, uh, highly successful capitalists, I think threats to his power and, and, and wants to knock him down a peg. So on both of those counts, he's not exactly letting the, the free market thrive. Um, I, I mean, what, to the extent that there was one, it was always a somewhat status capitalism. Uh, so yeah, a lot of people think they're in for some hard times. They've still got the, the lockdown problem. They've got something of a demographic problem. Um, and you know, they got problems. That's not necessarily good for us. You know, in um, fact, in fact no, these, but, these two China hawks, uh, right. We should, we, uh, we just shouldn't think Biden is the only one who makes stupid mistakes. It's possible that she is making. Yeah, but he may be making too. more respect to China. I, uh, this, this new chip policy, there was a thread, you know, where Biden is, I mean, I had asked a question in our newsletter some weeks ago, like with this policy where um, we are prohibiting not just American companies from certain high-tech exports to China, but foreign companies that use American technology from exporting things to China. I said like, well, doesn't, get, doesn't this give a, a foreign companies an incentive to make products that don't use American technology? And then this week, there was a thread on Twitter from this guy at the Center for New American Security, uh, who's even know what he was talking about. He said exactly that. He said, you're going to see the development of whole supply chains that are independent of American products. And uh, he had other reasons to think that this, this is a stupid policy. So we'll see. Well, presumably, we have a feedback loop, whereas if it backfires, we'll change it, right? Well, actually, the funny won't thing won't be as fast as Elon Musk's feedback loop, but it, it'll the, be there. The funny thing is how inflexible a policy it is, because another thing I heard from somebody else is that uh, like right now, the chips that you're precluded from exporting to China and maybe uh, also from helping them build in China or something are very uh, high level chips. OK. So it's, it's, it's a minority of the chips in the world. But, but the way the policy reads is uh, they, never, they never change the designation. And today's high-performance chips are tomorrow's middle-of-the-road chips. So in a few years, we'll be banning all chip exports to China. And I think the banning of any technologies from anywhere that use any American chips, and I don't know, it just seems, seems really badly thought out. Should we? So it, it has been probably an hour now. Uh, yeah, we still. I we still. I I feel like we've been stalling a bit for the last ten minutes, but so we should stop. But but the uh, the sports quiz was probably the most popular thing we talked about. So what? The I hell? think we've opened up a whole new. Uh, the, um, yeah. The uh, so um, uh, there are things I I want to talk about in the other podcast that. Well, she'll go unnamed. 
The the, the parrot uh, room that sh cannot be named. Okay, yes, what uh, what, is, what is what are they? It seems to me there's a chance that uh, you know, f for all my life I've been writing and other people have been writing. You know, it, there's there's room for a centrist party in America that rejects both extremes. I think for for reasons I'll go into, there's now uh, a much bigger opening for it than there has been before. No labels. Uh, Third way. Right. That that sort of instinct. But yes, uh, hmm. Mr. Smith, Pat Cadell's Mr. Smith is the most famous one, I think. OK. Uh, uh, so there's that. Uh, there's. Uh, I did watch the first half of Ready Player, uh, Ready Player One. Yeah, I which watched is the a whole film thing. That, that sort of uh, it, you're right. It's better than I th thought. It's not bad. And it does touch on, I think, a lot of issues that are involved in the metaverse. So I have something to say about that. I'm sure you'll have much smarter things to say, Bob. Needless to say. Um, so we'll see about that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so yeah, we'll we'll talk about the metaverse um, and that movie, but but uh, especially the metaverse. Um, There's a bunch of stuff to be said about more stuff to be said about the campaign. Okay, uh, campaign. I want to talk about oh oh Elon's master plan. Uh, I mean, it's probably not really his master plan, but but I, I there's a way a lot of this could make sense in, for for both Tesla and making him eventually right. president of the United States. Um, I'll talk a little about my conversation with Brett Weinstein, which has not yet aired. Uh, there is um there was an article by Tom Etzel sort of about about how uh, automation uh, continues to threaten the working class. Uh -huh. And it had, it was a good article, but it had a uh, one uh, aspect of it seemed like bullshit to me. So, Tom Edsel, I'll go into now, that. Um, there, there, there was this piece on this uh, piece on David Sachs in the New Republic. Uh, have you read that? I skimmed it. It seemed like so thin. It like it like any piece about Peter Thiel that just quotes the one thing that everybody quotes, which is you know he said he. You know, in 2009, 13 years ago, that he thought democracy and freedom might be were incompatible does not mean he's a monarchist. It meant he was a secessionist. And if that's the best you got, you're not worth reading. I'm sorry. You don't know shit about well, it. It was definitely an attempted takedown. I mean, more, more, more of Sachs than, than uh, the picture was of Sachs, Elon, and Peter Thiel, the, the caricature. I, I haven't really read the piece. I skimmed it like you, but I got to say, I mean, they're they're hitting below the belt because the caricature made him look like Larry Summers, and I'm sorry, whatever you they, do, do not compare me to Larry Summers. There was a lot of talk about the, about how ugly the character caricature was. On I'm not the saying Larry in, Summers is ugly. I'm just saying it looked like Larry Summers on the All In podcast. Although, Bob, there's we will never achieve the level levels of brodom that they achieve on the All In podcast. Hey, Mickey, I mean, Mickey. They're very, yeah, I, I love you, man. No, they, they, they say that they actually say that. I know, but they started off talking. They started off talking about really substantive issues about Twitter, and they ended up with jokes about, uh, uh, you know, plays on the word Uranus. Okay, and there was like a half hour of basically like bro <laughs> bathroom humor that they thought was hilarious. Okay? Mike Kinsley, this wants, will never happen. Mike on, Kinsley in once, the parrot room once had a Uranus 
pun in a column. I'll tell you something. This is a true. Oh, I can tell a story in the parrot room. Uh, I'm writing down Mike Kinsley Uranus story. Um, I played a role. Played a role in Uranus. And then, and then uh, I think I think that'll do it because uh, because the Ready Player One could go on for eons. Could go on for eons. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, I think we're good. Okay. So we'll see people in parrot room. Parrotroom.com. No. Patreon slash patreon.com slash parrot room. Yeah. I and we will also discuss possible changes in format in the near future that will affect both this podcast and the parrot room. And I do want to uh, I you know, I, I left the parrot in the car, Bob, so I have to go rescue the parrot. But um uh, you know, there, there's, there's, let's just say there's more than Stacey Abrams in my arsenal now. There is. Ooh, who is that? Oh, is that, uh, oh my God, you bought dolls of every female politician I'm familiar with. Uh, let's just say that I'm approaching the level of, uh, an eccentric, uh, obsessive. <laughs> Let's just say you got there a while ago, and I'm worried about what you're approaching um, now. Um, uh, so anyway, I have I, yes, I have a bunch of dolls now. Okay, Mickey's in Fat City. Okay, we will see you. Okay, in the Meta Parrot Room.